Uh, harvest time, harvest celebration. I wonder if you've ever had to have something valuable repaired. Maybe a piece of jewelry, maybe a precious ornament, maybe an item of clothing. What about your car? You bought your car, maybe all good and shiny, had no dents in it at all. Paintwork gleamed and glistened, and the wheels, as they went round, caught people's eye, flashy. And then they had a little bump, a little accident in your car. But it wasn't actually, a, it just didn't hurt you, but huge dents appeared in the side of your car. The paintwork was ruined, and the shiny wheels horribly scuffed. It was broken. And yet it was still drivable. Uh, but you're embarrassed driving it. Because whereas before people's heads might turn to see your nice car passing by, yet now when people's heads turn to see your car, you knew that they were thinking, she's got to get that repaired. So you go to the repair shop. You leave the car there. You might think, should I pray for my car? No, I'll just trust the repairers. And so you pick it up, and it's as good as new. The dents are gone, the paintwork is restored, and the wheels look good again. It's been put back together again. In many ways, that is what God is doing to his broken creation. He's putting it back together again. He made it, we broke it. He sustains it, it still goes to some extent, but it needs a full repair. He's putting it back together again. So let's consider how God is putting this back together again. I, I don't know if, uh, yeah, you probably have heard of the uh, soul band called Hot Chocolate. They were big in the 70s and the 80s. Indeed, uh, it had, the hot chocolate had a song in the charts every year from 1970 to 1984. Now, some of the songs I could not really repeat in church on a Sunday morning. Just a thing. Okay, we can't do that. But here's a song that can be quoted. If there's no light anywhere and you've got no one to turn to, I'll lead you out of darkness and then... I'll put you together again. When things look hopeless, just write me and then I'll put you together again. And let's take that as God saying to us, just pray to me and I will put you together again. So let's think how God does that. Let's think, first of all, of buying that shiny car, God's creation we read it in Colossians and chapter 1, verse 15. That creation is through Jesus Christ. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for in him all things were created. In him all things were created. The persistent question is this Where did the world come from? Where did it start? Where did it all begin? Who made it? That question is asked as often as a little child asks for ice cream on a hot day. Again and again. 
And there are many theories as to how this world began. And quite a lot of them, if not most of them, all have to do with violence. Norse mythology says that the god Odin killed the giant Ymir and used his body to create the universe and its people. Ancient Babylon account of how the world began says that the god Marduk killed the goddess Tiamat by shooting her with an arrow, which split her in two. Then from her eyes, the waters of the rivers came out, and out of her corpse, Marduk created the heavens and the earth. Marduk then goes about killing another god called Quingu, not Pingu, Quingu, and from King Quingu's blood, he creates people. So many creation stories are about gods in conflict with each other, fighting each other for power and supremacy and killing each other. And so the world begins out of violence and killing. But that's not the Bible's view of how the world began. The Bible has got a completely different view. It tells us that in love, God made the world out of his goodness and for our pleasure. About two, three centuries ago, a, a pastor theologian called Jonathan Edwards lived in New England. He wrote many books, preached many sermons, and one of them was called The End for Which God Created the World. And he said that because God is purposeful, then God must have had some end in view when he made the world. So looking at the scriptures, we see that God is loving and kind and good and beautiful in holiness. So God made the world to display his goodness and beauty and to share his love. He did it to share his love and show his beauty to his creatures, us, so that we might glorify him and enjoy him forever. And that's the scripture's view, that God made the world for a really good reason and a really good purpose, to share his love, to display his beauty, so that we might enjoy that love and be delighted by the beauty of holiness that God has. So the world is not made randomly. It's not the fallout of some cosmic battle between gods and demigods. It's not the debris of a, a battlefield. This world didn't come and fall into place by chance. God created the world with the greatest care. Like a, a royal dressmaker creating the wedding dress for a royal wedding. It's put together with real design and purpose to show love and beauty so that when people see it, they gasp. And that's the care that God takes towards his creation. He, out of love, made this world with great care and purpose. Genesis chapter 1. God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. And it was so, and God called it sky. And God said, let the land that's been produced as the seas, as the water separates itself on the earth to be called sea, let the land that's produced there produce vegetation. Vegetation. 
And it was so. And God said, let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night. Let there be a great light and a lesser light. And let there be stars. And it was so. And God said, let the water teem with living creatures. Let birds fly across the sky. And it was so. And the land produced living creatures. It's all purposeful. It's all orderly. It's all with great care and precision to show God's beauty for our enjoyment. The climax of God's creation, the crown of God's creation, are men and women. God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number. Flourish. God looked on all that he had made, and it was very good. This is creation. And God has made us and put us in that creation that we might honor him and delight in him, enjoy him, and all that he has made as well. So God has given us, he created the world, not out of war, but peace. And on the seventh day, God rested. And he invites us into that rest, into that shalom, into that peace, so that we might also have harmony with ourselves, with other people, with creation, and with God himself, that we might live at peace with all those four aspects of life. And God has caused us at the beginning to flourish, to enjoy life, to design, to make. God has said flourish by designing and making and cooking and drawing and painting and writing and singing and developing and building and decorating and playing and acting and dancing and helping and caring and footballing. Apart from maybe the footballing, soul-flourishing things. God has designed us for a great reason. He's designed us to live in peace and harmony to flourish in this life and to give him the glory, to glorify God and enjoy him. What an amazing creation God has made. A cheerful plan and purpose God has made in putting this world together in the first place. Earlier this year, Rosemary and I went to the Queen's Platinum Jubilee celebration at Buckingham Palace. It was amazing. The setup had been going on for days on end. They closed off the mall, they closed off the kind of fountain, the roundabout in front of Buckingham Palace, and they'd put up these stages, they'd put up these lights, they'd put up these chairs, they'd put up uh, uh, eating places, they'd put up all kinds of things. There were drones in the sky, there was lighting, they gave you wristbands that they operated electronically to go off at exactly the same time with exactly the same colors. And then the music and the songs, it was amazing creation designed by clever people for our enjoyment for the Queen's honor. This is God's creation is made with design, care, 
imagination and action for his glory and our enjoyment. And it's all done through Jesus Christ. Colossians 1.15 again. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. So what a wonderful world this should be. But it's like the world has had a car crash. The world is not as it was when it was first made. We've got humanity's fall. On the screen there, it's Isaiah chapter 8, if you uh, wanted to turn to it, but it's on the screen. You've got one of the most terrible verses in the whole of the Bible. This verse is so joyless. Isaiah 8, people are distressed and hungry. They roam through the land. When they are famished, they become enraged and looking upward, they curse their king and their God. They look toward the earth and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom. Terrible commentary on life now in a broken world. It's dreary, miserable, this description of humanity in this verse. It's a far cry from what it was when God made it in the first place. It's like something beautiful has been ravaged. So in creation now, we see air pollution, water pollution, land pollution, global warming, ice caps melting, ozone layer depleting, forests burning and animals fighting and killing and famine and earthquakes and flooding and destruction and devastation. In humanity, we see wars and rumors of wars and weapons of mass destruction and nations in uproar and racial violence and ethnic cleansing and murder. Even to little children, there's stabbings and there's shootings and there's injustice and unrighteousness and oppression and trampling the poor and the needy. And in people we see rage and revenge and the lack of forgiveness We see jealousy and envy and pride and rivalry and cruelty and violence and abuse and breakups in relationships. Everything seems broken. So God made this world beautiful, but Satan has come in like a wrecking ball and smashed it. In the words of the songwriter Bob Dylan, there's broken lines and broken strings. Broken threads and broken springs, broken idols, broken heads, broken sleeping in broken beds. Broken bottles, broken plates, broken switches, broken gates. Broken dishes, broken parts, streets are filled with broken hearts. Broken words never meant to be spoken, everything is broken. Broken cutters, broken saws, broken buckles, broken laws. Broken bodies, broken bones, broken voices on broken phones. Take a deep breath, feel like you're choking, everything is broken. Broken hands on broken plows, broken treaties, broken vows, broken pipes, broken tools, people bending, broken rules. Hound dog howling, bullfrog croaking, everything is broken. And that is not in Jesus Christ, that is outside 
of Jesus Christ. Through human rebellion against God and sin against him, we are just broken. And that might describe you this morning. And yet, you're still alive. So with creation and the brokenness of creation, God didn't destroy it. He sustains it. He keeps it going like a car that's had a crash and yet really needs repair, but it's kept going. So God sustains us and this world. Hebrews chapter 1. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Colossians 1. Jesus is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So God sustains this world in Christ. Outside of Christ, everything's broken. But in Christ, it's not just creation, but sustaining. See, we and the world are still here. It's not the end of the world yet. The sun goes on shining, the sea rushes to shore. The birds go on singing, the stars glow above. My heart goes on beating, these eyes of mine still cry. Why? Because it's not the end of the world yet. So God keeps the world turning, keeps the planets in motion, he keeps your heart beating, and he gives you over 20,000 breaths a day. Why? For the very reason he made the world in the first place. Because of this thing called love. God still loves a broken world. And God still loves broken people. And God still wants to show his love and his beauty to broken people. That broken people might then respond by enjoying him and glorifying him. So God keeps this world going. He keeps us alive. He invites us to return to him so that we might have that peace and flourish. God is long-suffering. He bears with us. Another verse in Isaiah said this, God says, All day long I have held out my hands to an obstinate people who walk in ways not good, to a people who continually provoke me to my very face. God does that. Jesus once told this parable, of a son that ran away from home. He took everything and he ran away from home, a prodigal son. And what was the father doing? Was the father kind of waiting at home, stewing? When I get my hands on that boy, I'm going to teach him a lesson. What well, Was he at home saying, I've just, I've just had it with that boy. No, I'm never going to let him in through the door again. The father was at home waiting. The waiting father. He was waiting for his prodigal son to return. And that is God to us. If you should come to the Lord Jesus Christ, you wouldn't find someone with his arms folded saying, prove that you're worthy of me. You'd find someone with his arms outstretched like on a cross saying, come to me, you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, for it's easy and it's light. And you will find rest, peace, flourishment, for your souls. And God waits. But God doesn't helplessly wait. It's not as if he's up there saying, I can't do anything about this. God has done something about the broken world 
and broken people in a broken world. He's done something absolutely mind-blowing about it. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So consider our last thing. God's putting things back together again. Reconciling. Jesus came to earth for a purpose. He came to fix us. He came to restore us. He came to redeem us. He came to reconcile us to ourselves, to one another, to creation, and to his Father. Colossians 1. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Jesus. And through Jesus to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. This is God's plan to put things back together again. One, to cleanse us from our sins and forgive us. Two, to give us life, not death. And three, to help us live now and forever. Ultimately, to reconcile us to himself, to bring us back to himself in relationship. Not just as the creator and created, not just as the I and the thou, but as a father and a child. A relationship with the creator God through his son, Jesus Christ. For Jesus has come to restore us in the image of God, that we might reflect God and that we might have that peace and that rest that God designed at creation and that we might flourish now in life. He's going to put us back together again. If there's no light anywhere, and if you've got no one to turn to, I'll lead you out of darkness, and then I'll put you together again. When things look hopeless, just write me, and then I'll put you together again. Every church needs a hot chocolate ministry. Not just teas and coffees afterwards, hot chocolate. The world smashes people apart. The world breaks people up. We do that to other people. We do it to ourselves. We harm, we damage ourselves. We harm, we damage other people. We break everything. In church, we're being put together again. And we help to put each other together again. It's a lifelong process and won't be absolutely completed until we get to glory when then there shall be rest and flourishment in unimaginable ways. But until then, we put people together again. God puts us together again. And he does so because he sent Jesus Christ. So Jesus, in his life for us, fulfilled all righteousness for us. Jesus, in his death for us, paid the price of the sins that we've ever committed Jesus, in his resurrection, gives us that life and flourishment. And Jesus, on his return, will put us together with all creation remade in Eden Plus. It'll be amazing 
because of Christ, who suffered and died to put us together again. Let's be quiet before the Lord before we sing our final song. <laughs>